Hello and welcome to another episode of the EFL Fantasy Podcast. My name is Jamie. And my name is Angus. And unfortunately, Dan cannot be here this evening. Um, he has got the flu, I think it is. I think that's what's going around. It caught me as well. But I'm still here to tell the tale. I don't know how, but I still am. So unfortunately, Dan won't be here and we wish him all the best on a speedy recovery just before Christmas. But me and Angus are going to do our best to get us through the Game Week 23 review, uh, give you everything that you need ahead of Boxing Day's fixtures. So, Angus, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Uh, I think a decent set of games from what I remember. Um, lots to talk about and uh, as little gaffer as possible from my team's point of view. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're recording on Friday the 23rd because, obviously, the West Brom Coventry game on Wednesday... But it feels like ages ago that the weekend's games are here. Like I'm struggling to remember the actual games at the moment. Yeah. Um, but we'll briefly talk about your score this week. And I know you really didn't want to, but let's get that out of the way first, shall we? Yeah, so um so I got 113 minus four, a net of 109, which sounds good, but it was a massive week, particularly for those on triple triple. So um it's a red arrow down to sixty-fourth, um, so I say before we uh, recorded uh, that the annoyance for me is in game week 20 I was or after game week 20 I was 11th after game week 23 I'm 64th uh, so that's a bit of a drop now um, which is fine it's not irreparable it's just a bit of a frustration at the moment um, but I had Wilson, O'Shea vice captain, Kamara, Amatodzic, Swift captain was the real killer I had Allen for 12 Ndiaye for 10, Brownhill 2, DK 2, Pedro 16, and Victor only as the emergency captain got 26. So that was the other sort of killer for me, not having any armband on him. Um, but Red Arrow, um, going into the game week, I was 36. So 36 down to 64. Not a disaster, but um, you know, I need to start getting that back a bit now. It shows how much this game can swing there, doesn't it? Just like one week like that, you know, you're on the wrong side of something and boom, yeah, you, you know, you rank hearts. And I think, you know, that could be a positive thing for people, who, you know, who ranked 100th, 150th maybe, you know, smashed your boost, especially, and you're right up there. If you remember me, I was around in the 100s in the first season, 127th, played a boost, game week rank one, and then the next thing I was 10th. Yeah. Within one week, it just literally goes like that. So um, I have every faith that you'll pull that back and you'll get right back up there. Me, on the other hand, I did get a green arrow, but it's impossible not to get a green arrow when you're ranked where I am. So I have gone from two... Oh, no, sorry, I'm a liar. I've got a red arrow. It's showing green on the home screen for some reason. No, I had not. I didn't scroll down far enough. I was 308th before the week, and I'm now 273rd, and that's with a score of 133. So, like you say, it was a big scoring week this week. I thought oh, I'm on for a good week here. I could jump up quite highly with 133. Then I look around at everybody else's teams, and people have played triple triple, and just left me for dust. So, still not getting great for me, but you know, I'll be happy with the score. Wilson 10. Um, Kamara 6, Egan 8, Wallace Captain 36, NDI 10, Pedro 16 and Victor Vice Captain 39, Blanks and McBurney, Brownell, Baker and Isaiah Jones. 
So we move on to the next week before we do um, the pod team. How did that get on this week? Uh, so the pod team did better. Uh, 138 minus four. Uh, no boost on that. But we had uh, Johansson in goal who got eight. Laird came off the bench with uh, Luton being postponed for eight. Kamara, six. Ahmed Hodzic, four. We brought in and captained Jed Wallace, which was 36. Swift, six. Sema, eight. O'Hare, 12. Di ten, Sims one, and Victor as vice captain for thirty nine. Nice. And how did we go on against the guys on Gaffer guys in the so community? We lost to the community team who played follow the leader uh, this week, um, but beat the guys on Gaffer. So uh, <laughs> second place this week. Which, given that the community team managed to play follow the leader this week on the you know the Coventry and West Brom players who basically all got some form of return this week. Um, you know, it's to be expected losing to them. Yeah, we'll take it and we'll move on. Right, um, let's get into the games then from game week 23. And then we have got quite a lot of Twitter questions, so we'll go through them. And if we have time at the part, at the end of the pod, we'll go through our game week 24 predictions that we've been doing over the last few weeks. So we'll start then, you know, where all the main talking points were from. It was a double game week of Coventry and West Brom. Coventry drew 3-3 with Swansea um, at the weekend after throwing a 3-0 lead away. West Brom beat Rotherham 3-0 comfortably. And then Coventry went and beat West Brom 1-0. Why don't we start with Coventry, Angus? What are your thoughts about them? Yeah, so obviously this, you know, it's a good week for them, but it could have been a great week. As you say, they were 3-0 up against um, Swansea um, with goals from, I think, Panzo... Allen and Victor. And I think for those who um, had sort of gone for the all the sort of remotely owned assets, they all had a return of some sort. Harmer had an assist. Victor had a goal and an assist. Um, I think O'Hare had an assist. Some people like me had gone with Allen, who got a goal. Um, Panzo was quite well owned. He had a goal. Like, um, although I think he was less well owned than we thought initially. Um, yeah. I think more people have gone with Bidwell. Um, so that was all going great for them. And then they managed to concede three goals in the last half hour. Um, I think they conceded it was something like three goals in 18 minutes or something to draw the game. Um, which has got to be uh, pretty frustrating for them, really, particularly in such a strong position. And they have been you know, relatively solid. Um, yeah, it surprised me because defensively they're pretty good. Yeah, and, and then and to so throw three goals like that away, which they weren't great goals. Yeah, it's just a it's just a bit of a collapse, really. Which, um, like I say, is unlike them. But you know, they still came out with it with a point at least, and then went and got a very good win against West Brom. Um, yeah, before we get into that game, West Brom, then they obviously beat Rotherham at the weekend three 0 um, good performance by them. You know, we kind of expected them to win, even though I was just waiting for that 1-0 Rotherham. Not because I rate Rotherham, it's just what they do. Um, what were your thoughts from that the weekend? Um, yeah, it was uh, it was a little bit of a frustrating one, obviously, for, for me, having brought, taken the punt on DK and having Swift over Wallace. But um, I thought they were very good. I thought they benefited from bringing uh, Rogic into the team. I've spoken on previous pods about how how highly I think of him as a player. 
Um, it's easier for me to say now he's no longer a Celtic player. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, you could see the sort of extra quality he brought. I mean, you could see it in the previous game, last game week, where he, he with his finish for the goal, but then his pass through for Wallace for the first goal sort of showed um, what he's capable of giving them. Um, Wallace, obviously, in great form, took his goal well. Um the the real shame and it it was fair enough because he wasn't really doing anything was DK going off before even sixty minutes I think he missed out by about three minutes or something but um, I couldn't really argue with it and then uh, Dean Garner came on and he, I think he'd been on for something like fourteen seconds or something yeah so he was really short he scored straight away I thought he missed it at first yeah. when I watched the highlights back um, and then you had the the Thomas Asante goal where he wins the penalty, misses the penalty, yeah. and then scores, which, because of the gaffer scoring, is actually better for him because he gets the full five points for scoring rather than the three points if he just scored the penalty. <laughs> yeah, it's um, a bizarre rule at Saints where you don't concede any yeah. points um, for missing a penalty because when he missed it... you. We've been playing this now, what this is the third season, so two and a half years. And every time someone misses a penalty, my first instinct is get in. If I if I don't own them, they've just lost points. And then I have to remind myself <laughs> that's irrelevant. Um shame that they didn't let Jed Wallace take it <laughs> from my point of view. Um I was hoping that he'd take that penalty. Um but Touch on Rajik, I think it's a bit frustrating and a bit unfortunate for Swift owners like yourself and many others out there because the timing, I think, is a bit in- yeah. unfortunate, isn't it, really? Because if he answered, you know, that Sunderland game where he scored and then he's played that game because of the form like we were discussing off camera, Swift would have likely have played as a 10 rather than dropping deeper to accommodate him. Um, so that, I think that's a bit unfortunate. Um but it's a 50-50 call once it was Swift and Wallace. Um, you win some, you lose some, I suppose. But then they played on Wednesday night then and Coventry got the 1-0 win. I only saw the second half of this game. Um, I got in at half-time and watched the second half. I thought Coventry deserved the win. Yeah, I mean, you've you've watched 45 minutes more than me, but I was sort of following along and it sounded like Co- Coventry just dominated the game. I mean, for those who were on Jeepers Keepers this week, almost all their points came from Palmer in this game against Coventry, which I'm not sure we really expected to happen. No, not at all. But he had not something like seven saves, I think, in this game. Um, they were, and I think it didn't help because I was watching it on the Coventry I follow, so I had like the Coventry commentators. And obviously with them, they're very biased towards you know the, the team that they're commentating on. So there was a lot of... T- the game got very stretched between like the 50th and 70th minute. I'd say there was a 15, 20 minute period of the game where it was really stretched. It was like basketball. Um, Coventry, they weren't having clear cut chances, but they were having chances for seeing the saves. Um, but the commentators were making out, Hamer was playing long hitful balls and he was just going to the centre backs and they were making out like he's just done a 60 yard cross field ball that's gone straight into Victor. He didn't even touch him. But I thought they were very good defensively, and I thought if there was going to be a winner, it'd definitely be Coventry. But I think what's interesting about it is I'd have probably said West Brompton nicked that before the game. Um, but Coventry have done well, and they, the team, have still got the doubles. 
So a lot of eyes are going to be on Coventry assets, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. A lot of people who went on to particularly triple Coventry, if you weren't already, you're now basically going to be holding them through because they've got another double um, and they're playing well. So it's it's almost that, that twofold thing because of their price as well. A lot of them, it's not stopping you from getting sort of those premium players as well by holding your Coventry players. You can go. You could go anyone you want, really, can't you? From Coventry, uh, from a price point of view, they've all, obviously they've got that double. But um, a lot of their upcoming games are at home as well. Yeah, they've got Sheffield United away this on Boxing Day, which is going to be tricky. Yeah, but they've got back-to-back home games against Cardiff and Bristol City, which I really like their their chances in them two games. They do go away to Burnley, which is a bit tricky just before the double. Um, but then they've got that double, so. Commentary assets. If people aren't on trip already, I aren't. I'm on Victor and Wilson. Who would be, you know, the other assets we should be looking at? Um, I think there's there's three for me, or four, sorry, depending on what you want to do with them. Mm-hmm. So you've got Panzo at the back. Um, he's a set piece threat. Um, I think he had a couple of chances in that game as well. Um, you've got Harmer. He's on a lot of the set pieces. He's and he's ticking over in terms of returns, picking up much uh, nowhere near as many cards as well. I think is a big thing. Um, yeah, because he's always liable for a booking onesie. Yeah, I mean he's ha- he's had two red cards I think already this season, <laughs> but he's he's not picking up the bookings in the same way. Um, and then the two that are playing behind Victor, Allen and O'Hare. I think ideally for me, um, I'd go O'Hare. But the the one plus point to Allen is he's playing regularly and he's, I think, 5.1. So if for whatever reason you do need the saving, um, he's there. And also it then helps mentally when you have to bench them in the weeks, like, you know, when they're going away to Burnley, it's easier to bench your 5.1 midfielder. That's very true, actually. That is very true. 5.1 is on 92 points. And that's compared to Hamer at 6.1 and then Oware at 6.9. Yeah. So you are saving um, a million, basically, or more if you wanted to go Oware. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know where I'm going to go, actually. Um, with me already having Wilson, I'm liable to go midfield. But um, I'm a little bit of a Callum Oware fanboy. I really do like Oware. And there was times in the game Wednesday where I was, I was watching the game and I'm thinking, is he playing up front? Because he was next to next to Victor quite a lot, especially off the ball, um, but then he he kind of just kept dropping into the pockets. Um, Casey Palmer played really well. Um, he's a I don't think he's an asset, is he? He doesn't no. get enough game time and stuff. But it's a shame for him because obviously he was at Chelsea, wasn't he, Palmer? Yes, originally, yeah. like years ago, and you can see that it's similar to when I watched Lewis Baker at Stoke. You can see he played at the high level when he was a young player, and his Palmer's technically gifted, but yeah, I just wouldn't go there. Um, Victor's obviously definitely a lock, really good form at the moment. So if people haven't got him already, he's eight point one million, and he's on one hundred and forty points. Um, so yeah, I think that covers Coventry off pretty well, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and then obviously West Brom have had their double now. Um, we have got some questions regarding West Brom, which we'll get to later on in the podcast. Mostly around Swift. Um, right, other games are Burnley, top of the league still, beat Middlesbrough 3-1. Uh, this was 
an interesting one. I did think Middlesbrough were going to do him at one point, um, but then the quality of Burnley came through, didn't it, Angus? Yeah, so I think that's the big thing is like, you know, it, because Middlesbrough have turned this corner under Carrick and are much better now, particularly when they went ahead, you sort of thought, like, oh, they could do something here, like, you know. Because it's not the sort of team where when they go ahead against one of the best teams, you think, oh, well, it's only a matter of time before they lose anyway. Um, yeah. And then Burnley just sort of stormed back, um, obviously mainly inspired by uh, Manuel Benson, who uh, got two goals, or the second one he scored across. Like, let's be honest. Yeah, he was <laughs> The <across>. second one, he's, <laughs> he's crossed it in and it's gone all the way through. Um, yeah, Stefan's had a bit of a mare there. Um, and then I think Housen got an own goal. And then... We have to talk about the most ridiculous incident of them all. The penalty, the handball for it hitting the bar. Like, don't get me wrong. Connor Roberts tries to handle the ball. <laughs> because I hadn't seen this and you and Dan were talking about this in the group. So um, I was watching the Stoke game at the time. So when I watched the highlights, and obviously he's hit the bar, but for a split split second, I was like, what the fuck were them two on about? He's just on board. He's like clearly trying to punch the ball away. Yeah. You know, it's obviously at the bar, but yeah, it's a, not the official's finest moments, let's say, is it? No, although when you look at it, if you don't realise it's hit the bar, particularly as the referee, if you don't realise it's hit the bar, as you said, like first time we all look at it and think, he's on board that. Yeah. <laughs> and of course the referee only gets one look at it now the linesman should be able to say no that's hit the bar like because yeah. he'd be in a better position to see that but i mean that's that's the other thing for me is conor roberts tries to handle the ball like it just hits the bar instead but um and then the penalty is saved anyway which felt like a sort of justice done moment once you realized he he hadn't actually handled the ball yeah, I was a bit gutted though because Leanne's got Akpom in her team, so I was like, she, she was climbing yeah, yeah, steadily, so I wanted that goal. Week. I think, yeah, uh, I think that one uh, again. It would have been a big hit if uh, if there were minus points. Yes, yes, it would. Yes, uh, that rule definitely needs to come into the game. I yeah. think um, it makes it a lot more interesting. Uh, but Middlesbrough, though, obviously three one. You like you look at the scoreline on paper and you think you've been battered away at the league leaders. Um, I think I think they did well from what I've seen of it. Um, Middlesbrough assets definitely coming onto the table now going forward, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think um, an increasing number of people will be on Isaiah Jones. He's one that I'm already working out. Well, I have been for a while, and then obviously there were things like the doubles to navigate. Yeah, um, working out how I get to him because you know he's playing right wing, um, and he's playing well, and he's a defender. So, <laughs> I think you'd watched middle or something straight after Carrick had been appointed, and I remember you say, "Yeah, is I Jones playing right wing?" Yeah, and I think I got him in straight away. I think as soon as you said that, <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Okay, I'll have him then." Yeah. So I've gone there nice and early. Um, Leanne's doubled up with Giles as well. Um, in terms of middles with them, you know, you got Jones, Giles, Akpom. Is there anybody else that you'd consider? Um. I don't think so. I mean, I think you can look at the rest of the team if you if there's something in particular you want. Maybe you can save a little bit defensively because the team seems to be pretty nailed at this point. You can, it's pretty consistent. You can look at what the team is and say, okay, barring sort of maybe one or two changes from game to game, it's it's going to be basically the same team. Like you know that yeah. back four, basically every game is Tommy Smith, Dale Fry, Daryl Lenahan, Ryan Giles. So it might make 
enable you to have a little saving defensively, but you know that's going to be the defence and so on. So, um, yeah, I think I'd I'd just pay the extra for yeah. Jones. I would definitely. And then with Burnley, I feel like I'm here a week later saying exactly the same thing about Burnley. Yes, they're great, the top of the league, um, but I'm still in Leon Brownell. Yeah. And my plan is, you know, every week I need to get Burnley players in. Uh, but I end up prior, like we had to double this week, so I had to bring Wallace in. But I still don't know where to go with Burnley. Um, I think Matson is more than likely going to come in for me next for Brady. Yeah, so he's the one that obviously I've I've talked about um, for a couple of weeks now, being like he's the one to get, um, and he's the one I really want to get to. Um, obviously, Benson's scored in this; he's been playing well. Um, for those who are worried about him going off against Man United in the uh, Carabao Cup, um, apparently it was just cramping, so he's fine. Um, so him and the other one that I really liked, and then obviously because of the World Cup, couldn't have him, was Zoruri. Yes, he started to hit form just before the World Cup, didn't he? Yeah, and he's back now um, from the World Cup. Whether he starts this weekend, I don't know. Um, but if he comes straight back into the team, he, he's one I'll be looking at. But I'm not sure I'd be willing to go straight onto him because, because It's a risk. That. I think it's going to be me. I think Matson is likely this week. But I feel with that second, well, the third asset to bring in, I feel like I'm probably going to wait a few weeks because the next three game weeks come round very yeah. quickly, don't they? Well, if we've got the Boxing Day um, in between Christmas and New Year and then the New Year's games, haven't we, before the FA Cup. So the next three game weeks are basically within a week, aren't they? So, and, and a lot closer together than normal. So I... I'd like to think there's going to be a bit of rotation there, not just from Burnley, from most sides. So I might just pencil that one in and wait till after that. Um, next game was Monday night. Um, Wigan won, Sheffield United 2. Sheffield United got off to a great start. Obviously, Egan getting the goal in the eye, um, getting an assist for Shaw. But then Wigan came back into the game, second half, and made it difficult for them. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the problem for them really was probably too little too late um they let Sheffield United have sort of too much almost control of the game for a while and um, yeah and then when they sort of really got it going um it was a little bit too late although you know they they did well and they you know they could have uh drawn the game um but at the same time you're not sort of thinking about like all the saves that Fodderingham made because there weren't many of them no there wasn't um, which I think I think is the problem really, but um, yeah, I think Wigan will feel slightly hard done by. Sheffield United will probably feel like they got away with one a little bit, but um, they got the result in the end. Well, the Wigan, like, the lucky Wigan scored straight after because they had that handball incident, didn't they? Was it Baldock? Was it Baldock? It yes, was. It was Baldock. It was Baldock. Yeah, but, but he clearly handballed. Like he, he, yeah. he should have been sent off quite clearly. Clear handball to block a shot, but then Wigan um, scored just a couple of minutes after that. So um, not much was spoken about that. I feel with Sheffield United, it was just one of them job done. They just yeah. got the job done. You know, go away on a Monday night on the TV, get the three points, and go home. Um, what a talk around Sheffield United assets in the Gaffer community. They've obviously, most people have got, I still can't say his name, the Bosnian. Uh, yeah, 
Amadodzic. Amadodzic, yeah. I, can't, I still can't say, even when you say it, I can't say it. Um, I've got her on him, or, you know, there's other defenders in there. I've got Egan. Um, most, or if not nearly everybody, will be on NDI at 7.7 million, great value. And then a lot of people will still be on McBurney, like myself. And I know there's some questions um, regarding what to do with McBurney. And I'm in that same situation because we know he had the operation, so we expected him, you know, not to be struck straight back in the starting 11 during this festive period. But Billy Sharp scoring, can McBurney get his place back? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's worth saying as well, um, McBurney did have his court case to deal with last week as well. Uh, yeah. Um, so I think it might well have been, um, particularly with this game, sort of like leave him out of this one as well, you know, get his head in the right place. Um, because, you know, he was he was playing so well before the break and was clearly the first choice. And the way Heckingbottom was talking about him, I think he clearly views him as first choice. Um, yeah. And I think it's sort of like a, a Billy Sharp that's scoring goals is sort of a nice second option to have. But my expectation is that McBurney will still come back into the starting lineup at some point. And with three games in seven days over the festive period... Billy Sharp, I wouldn't, sure as shit. Yeah, he's money. definitely not going to play all three years of Billy Sharp. So McBurney is going to come in, isn't he? It's just whether he comes in for the Boxer Day game against Coventry or does he come on again and then maybe start away at Blackpool on the Thursday. Um, Which I think is what you'd want. Uh, that's what I'd want, yeah. Let Billy Sharp do all the running against Coventry and let him come yeah. on for the last 20 against tired legs and then play against Blackpool. It's just um, it's a tough one because we know how important these free striker slots are in Gaffer. Yeah. So when you've got one of them who's, you know, just had an operation and then being on the bench for a few games, well, his replacements are scoring goals. It's a bit, it's, it's a little bit worrying, but I think because I've got other issues to deal with, I might just see how it goes for this upcoming game week. Yeah. And then just see what the signs are then. Um, next game then, Huddersfield, they lost at home to Watford 2-0. Um, Jao Pedro with the brace, so good for the owners there. Um, didn't see much of this game, only really saw the goals on the highlight show. Um, so not really sure how well Watford played. Um, did you see more than me? Uh, not a great deal more. I know that um, Huddersfield did have chances in this game, um, but you know, Watford, particularly with their extra quality of Joao Pedro, um, that can make all the difference, and it's the reason why. Uh, both he's such a good asset and the quality they have make them, you know, a threat in any game. Yeah, it's Saar play, like, played yeah. as well, didn't he? Which basically Dan had convinced me Saar was never going to play for Watford again and as soon as the window opens, he's gone straight away. So, Which helped me in my decision. Well, it, I sold Saar and then I was like, oh, actually, I don't feel so bad about selling him now. Um, but... I don't know. What would you do? Would you, if people have still got Saw, would you keep him or? Um, I'd probably keep him at this point. If you've if you've still got him, if you haven't gone to a Wallace or a Swift or whatever, I'd probably hold on to him. Um, there were lots of comments about um him staying away and whether he was pushing for a move. I think their game was on the Sunday. I think it was against Hull. And yeah. He was back in training Monday morning, so it was clearly just an issue of that game because I think he hadn't had a training session with them before that game 
Um, I still think there's a decent chance he leaves in January, in part because come January he's got 18 months left on his contract. If someone comes in with decent money, they're probably going to be more likely to take it. Um, but I think for the moment, if you still have him, I'd probably be looking to hold. You wouldn't be bringing him in there, would you, if you sold him? No, I think there's there's you know too many other sort of good options and that potential issue of like you might have to sell him again in a in a couple of weeks. Yeah, which is a shame because if I hadn't got Joe Pedro, I'd probably be tempted. I don't know if I would, I'd be tempted. But I like the free fixtures over Christmas. Yeah, Millwall at home, Swansea away, and then Norwich away. People look at Norwich and maybe think see red like on the fixture ticket. Yeah. But I see that as um, a really good opportunity for Watford away at Norwich. Um, but I'm there on Kamara and Joe Pedro at the moment. Would you recommend anybody else? Um, I think Sim is still a decent option. Um, mm. And I think Ngakia is a good option. I think he's 5.3, which getting into that, he, he will still get forward from the right back position as well. But getting into that Watford defence at 5.3. Um, yeah, so what do you think we're going on? Kamara, was Kamara six though? Is he or six one? I want to say Kam- no six. Yeah, on my. But I don't know if that's because I've got him. Um, is that is that my selling price? What for Kamara? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's six. Yeah, so you are you're saving there, aren't you? If you so went on the point seven saving, or like it makes it more feasible, I think, to go on the double up. You can sort of look at it and say. Yeah, you've got six point zero defender and a five point three from a team like Watford. That's that's not unreasonable to do. No, is Ngaki? Do you think Ngaki is nailed then? No, I think so. Um, it sounded like Bilic likes him when I was reading the comments when they came back, and it's basically like he'd he could have played a couple of games at least before the World Cup break, but they wanted to make sure that he was sort of fit and healthy and whatever, and you know. Gaspar's too old to play sort of week in, week out at this point. He's like 35 or whatever. Yeah. And Dan Gosling, who had been filling in there, is out for a, for a long time. So I would think Ngakia is nailed at this point. That's interesting. Definitely something to look at. Um, Birmingham then, they beat Reading on the Friday night, 3-2. Entertaining game. I missed, where was it? What did I do? I can't remember what I was doing on Friday, but I, I know I definitely missed this. Um, and I got back to the car and saw the updates. Oh, great. Um, but your thoughts from this one? Um, yeah, one of the, the, you know, there's been a theme recently of me sort of admitting I was wrong about players. Now, obviously, one of my first sort of, you know, nemeses on this podcast was Troy Deeney. Yes. My whole thing about Watford a couple of seasons ago making their promotion run when Troy Deeney went out of the team. Now, I'm not going to apologise for that based on this game. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was quite funny to see Deeney, you know, he got a goal, what, in the second minute? And then he scored a penalty. Um, and I, I was sort of like, you know, I thought it'd be, you know, tight, uh, potentially dull. Like, And then it was sort of like, you know, it's 2-0 after sort of 25 minutes. It was 3-0 after 35 minutes. And it was sort of like... What's happened here? <laughs> yeah, well, that's where I when I got to the car and checked the phone. I was like, "Wow, well, I was not expecting this." Um, and then you know, Reading, like it, I think it looks closer than it was when you look, particularly when you look at the the time of their goals. I know they had more chances and everything than Birmingham, but I think what you got to remember with that is 
Birmingham were 3-0 up after 35 minutes. Like that, Naturally, after that, Reading are going to have the bulk of the chances. But they didn't actually score until I think it was about 83 minutes, something like that. And then you look at Ince's goal in the 93rd, it was a deflection, yeah. it, you know, it wasn't great quality. Um, so I think you know it helped it look better for them and it potentially helped goal difference-wise. But um, you know, particularly because I think some people will be thinking about either already owned Birmingham defenders or looking at potentially Birmingham defenders. Um, and I don't think that should put you off. No, I don't. And I think there's a great value in that Birmingham defence that you could have here. Trusty is on 117 points yeah. at 4.6. Um, Colleen, I haven't said his name in ages, 4.7. He's on 109 points. Even Sanderson's on 96 at 4.6. So there's definitely value there. Um, and Robbins at 4.7. Yes, and goal. Yeah, if you're looking for a goalkeeper, 121 points so far, so far for Ruddy. So Birmingham are going to be very under the radar, aren't they? They're just outside the playoff places at the moment. Yeah, um, I think only one team in the division has conceded fewer goals than them. That's they're, they're pretty joint, impressive. They're joint with about three other teams. Um, but. I think only Sheffield United have conceded fewer goals than them this season. I think I had these to go down as well, my predictions, because there was <laughs> a lot of the off-field prob- um, yes, problems were going on, weren't they, in pre-season? Um, um, but, you know, you're doing a really good job there. I, I really like the midfield. Um, I'll end up getting Bellic from Derby, I'll never know. Um, oh, that was about sign. getting him a loan move to the Championship um, in the run-up to the World Cup, so he could play in the run-up to the World Cup. I thought possibly that we'd have gone to a, no disrespect to Birmingham, but a bigger side, or I'll say better side. I think it was about those guaranteed minutes. Yeah, well, it's weird, it's wonders. Yeah. And then obviously Chung, um, 6.4, he's doing well. And then Hannibal, he is <laughs> something else. Um, <laughs> we, we love him. <laughs> whatever, he's, whatever he takes, I want some, because he, that kid <laughs> is full of energy. Um, but next game then, um, and it is Norwich nil, Blackburn 2. So Dean Smith is treading a very thin, tight rope, isn't he, at the moment, as yeah. manager of Norwich. They were singing, Dean Smith, your football is shit, which I always like that when fans <laughs> get on their own manager's back. Um, but your thoughts from this one? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of sort of, you know, ill will towards Dean Smith. A lot of the fans, I think, want him out. Um, They're not, they don't love the football, um, which I think back to sort of, you know, Dean Smith with Aston Villa, at least in my head, it was, you know, better football, but like, it really hasn't been with Norwich. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't been impressed by them at all. Um, And you look at the players they have, and it should be really good. And it just isn't. And I think that's what the frustration is with the fans. And you know, they, they see their team more than me. Um, but when I look at that team on paper, I'm thinking, you know, that is a title-challenging team. I mean, you've got Josh Sargent and Pukki. And then, like, you know, you forget, like, Max Ahrens. <laughs> he was linked to at Barcelona, like, a year ago. Um, and he's still there at right-back. Um, I don't know what... You know, I think the only solution would be is to change the manager now because things have got that sour. And once that relationship breaks with the fans, it's really hard to win back into it. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the issue that they're facing now. Um, even if... Because it happened earlier in the season where it was thought that he was close to losing his job and 
Um, they went on a good run, and but didn't really sort of repair things with the fans. It just sort of, you know, made them back off for a bit. So it feels like they're never actually going to be positive about it. They just might not be quite as negative, which yeah. isn't really a situation you want to uh, you want to get into in terms of your fans are either negative or like sort of in the middle. But if they if they'd beat Blackburn, they'd have gone third. Like Blackburn is sitting third now, but Norwich would be third. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you look at Norwich and you think, you know, oh yeah, they could have gone third. That even that doesn't sound great for them. Like no, they, well, they would have been six points off Sheffield United yeah, still. So you know, if the fans would want him. But so regarding Gaffer, then Norwich, you know, we, you can't be looking there at their no. prices, can you? No, I mean we talked. Um, I think it was last week or maybe two weeks ago about the fact we were overlooking. Were we overlooking Norwich? Um, and I think this has sort of, you know, almost reminded us why we weren't sort of looking at them. They're fine, but particularly given that they're at those high prices, you don't really want to be getting into them. Um, I think that's the issue there. Yeah, exactly. If I'm going to pay them kind of prices, like especially for, like, let's say, Pookie, who is 11.4, if I'm paying 11.4 for Pookie, I want the Pookie from t- two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I want that Pookie. I want goals every single game. Um, yeah, I just think they're completely void. Blackburn, weird. Obviously, we know the record. They haven't drawn a game yet. They either <laughs> win or lose. Um, but like looking at their assets, uh, Kaminsky, 107 points at 5.6. None of the defenders have broke 100 points yet. Pickering's 90 points. He's 5.6. None of the midfielders have got into 100 points yet. Edges is on 85. And then Brereton Diaz, I didn't realise he scored that many points, yeah. you know, 133 points, but he's 10.1 million. Um, obviously, every transfer window that comes round now, Brereton Diaz has linked with a move away. Um, is it the same situation as last season? Do they just keep him and hope that they go up because it'll be worth more? Or do you think, you know, He's had his time. It's now time, Sal. Well, I think the the thing to say there is I was reading something the other day, and I think it would probably make sense for him, is he's looking at staying in January because he's a free agent in the summer. And so, so basically he can pick wherever he yes, wants to go, really, because there's no fees involved. Sort of, you know, I can keep my options open and then I can choose where I go in the summer. Yeah, because a lot more doors will open then when a club yeah. hasn't got to pay the actual transfer fee. And he'll probably get a nice bump in wages as well because of that. Yeah. So some of these clubs, particularly in places like Spain, um, will be looking at it and sort of they may be in a better situation in the summer. Um, and that could be big for him. That's what the World Cup missed. Abreus and Diaz. That that would have been that his stock would have gone so much higher there with like with a tournament over there. But um they've got Sunderland away next, and they've got Middlesbrough at home. But then they've got Cardiff at home and Rotherham away. I mean, game week 26-27 on paper, that's like Brereton Jazz captain material, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's the sort of thing with him is it's just getting those those moments because he tends to score his points in, in sort of runs. So it's just yeah. getting on him for those runs of games, runs of sort of points um, and, you know, be recognising that you're going to probably have to move off and on like with him where some of these other <clears throat> because you can just hold them through and they'll tick over yeah. Diaz, it's 
it's kind of going to be hot and cold, but you want you really want him in those periods where he's running hot. Yeah. So that'll be interesting going into game 26, 27, see what kind of form is it. But it's the same with Blackburn. You don't know what you're getting off Blackburn. They sit in third, but then they lose just as many as they win somehow. So it's um, crazy. Um, but then that's the that's it on them games then with like the talking points. There were four, four other results from the weekend. Stoke beat Bristol City away 2-1. Cardiff and Blackpool drew one all. Hull and Swansea both drew one all as well, and QPR beat Preston away one nil. Is there anything you'd like to add from any of them eight teams? Um, well, I think it's probably worthwhile talking, just mentioning. You know, that's the first win for Critchley. Yes, because um, I think that was his first official game in charge, um, and you know that that was a big game. Given Preston, I think was sixth going into that game. Um, and QPR have jumped up into sixth by beating them. Obviously, we've put it in this last stretch because there's not much to mention about it, but just thought it was worthwhile to sort of mention. And then the other one being um, Ross Stewart coming off the bench and scoring for Sunderland. Yes, he's the one. We Quick on QPR, obviously, chair should be back now, shouldn't he? Yeah, he's he back, should he's be back. He's available back for selection. He's back yes. Yeah. So that could... Um, make them a lot better and make QPR assets. But um, yes, Stuart at Sunderland, I am very interested. Um, he proved me wrong because every time someone scores a lot of goals in League One and comes up, um, I automatically doubt them. Yeah. Um, don't know why I do it, but, you know, Clark Harris, when he come up with Peaceborough, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it just doesn't yeah. tend to happen. But Stuart looks, I think he looks the real deal. Yeah. A very good striker. And his finish the real, here. Real concern really for them is, you know, do teams come sort of knocking the door down for him? That, there's definitely there's got to be interest in there oh, from yeah. teams, there, there isn't there? Interest, I think, in the summer. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if that sprouts up again. But if someone can keep hold of him, you know, he could be a very good asset. So I'm just getting, I eat it when I click on one thing on Gaff and then I have to go all the way back in. Get into something else. Just looking at the Sunderland um, prices now, he is 6.6. So he's obviously only on 68 points, but he's been injured for quite a while now. But if they can keep him, I like Sims as well. So him and yeah. Sims. And then obviously Diallo is in really good form at the moment. I fancy Sunderland to do well. Not necessarily like go get a playoff place or whatever, but the good value because the prices are so low for us as gaffer yeah. managers. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the big thing with them is, you know, it again, with those sort of going on to those players, it doesn't stop you from getting your big premiums in, but you're still getting players in that are scoring points. And then you can go for those sort of big name players at the same time. And the next four are good as well. They've got Blackburn at home. Obviously, Blackburn are third, yeah. but we don't know what Blackburn <laughs> side will turn up. Wigan away, Blackpool away, Swansea at home. I think they are very good fixtures on paper. So, Stewart really is appealing to me. Um, yeah, and I don't think there's anything from the whole, um, sorry, Cardiff-Blackpool game that we'd want to look at and neither from Bristol City or Stoke. So shall, shall we get into some Twitter questions? Yeah, let's do it. Right, there is a lot here, and I've just come off the questions. Right then, bear with me. Right, I'll just go from no order, just what they show yeah. at the top first. So um, FF Joel has put, who are your standout Swift replacements? 
Best I can come up with are Benson and Diallo, but can't help thinking I'm missing a couple of other potential options. He already owns Wallison and Di. Um, well, I, mean, I struggled with this when I yeah. when I was looking through midfielders. I mean, there's a potential option of Ishmael Asar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, um, chair. A lot of people will have come off him. Um, he could be one to go straight back to. Um, I think is is a potential option there. Um, apart from that, it's you know maybe one of those Coventry guys. You know, someone like O'Hare. Yes, if you haven't seen one, I like Diallo Shelter that he's come up yeah. with because like. A- the fixtures look good. He's in form. So are the stars aligned? We never know, but in good value as well. So um, he'd save a lot of money there and move that money elsewhere. John Jacob, Cheeky Bastards, asked two questions. Um, best Huddersfield defender to own. Now, we spoke about this off camera, didn't we? Yeah. Because we were saying, no disrespect if there's any Huddersfield fans there, but... On a Saturday, you know, after two o'clock when you look through the lineups, I tend to not look at Huddersfield's lineups. Not intentionally. It's just I know I'm not looking at anyone there, or I know there's not going to be a highly owned player who I haven't got there to hurt me. Uh, so I had a look at the defenders, and the best I came up with was Ruffles at 4.5. Um, obviously, playing left wing back. The back three seemed solid. He did go off after about 68 minutes. But I don't know what else you want from a Huddersfield defender. So that was the one I kind of took out the hat. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't love any of it. Um, so particularly with Ruffles because he's cheaper than most of the rest of the mascot. I'd go with it. I think John's asking because obviously they'll have the double. Yeah. Against Coventry, but um, I think one thing to remember is that there's a chance you know they can get a double blank. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be going there myself, but yeah, that's our thoughts on that, John. And then a second question: What's your real thoughts on Luton as a team now that Dan isn't here? Um, I'll let you answer this one first, Angus. Um, yeah, I I think they're they're perfectly decent. Um, I think they probably overachieved last season, but they're a good team. Um, I don't, I don't really have any strong opinions on Luton, except for their tin pot ground. You know, the, yeah. only, the only championship game that managed to get called off. Two days before the game, they knew it was going to be fucked. Yeah, that's a shambles, Anis. <laughs> that is a shambles. Calling it off two games before. They just did not want to play on that Sunday. Well, it was World Cup final day once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we know what they wanted to do. They wanted to watch Messi. Yeah. Um, my thoughts on Luton is if Nathan Jones hadn't gone back there and Dan didn't support them, I'd probably like them. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the ground, uh, he's got character though. Yes, so, like, you yes, came with does. me last yeah. season. You know, I do like Kenilworth Road and stuff. And I like the fact that, you know, they've got no money and stuff. They're doing anything on the budget. And they've done it well. Like, yeah. you can't take that away from them. But the fans have created this... Well, it's Stoke fans as well. It's not just Luton, but created this rivalry, and it's just like there's no need for this rivalry at all. That like, I I don't care. You know, he left because we're a, we were a bigger club. It didn't work out, and he went back to it's like just going back to X. He wanted to try something else, like with a pretty blonde, didn't work out, and he's gone back to his X. <laughs> That's absolutely fine to me. And then Dan, Dan's 
considering how knowledgeable Dan is on championship and stuff like that in the lower leagues, he is very knowledgeable. He is very fucking biased though of Luton. <laughs> like I haven't heard him once say Naismith is the best ball playing centre back this season. No. But I heard it a lot last season when he was at Luton. As soon as he left, like his defence was a liability. <laughs> yeah. Three at the back to <clears throat> for the fact he couldn't defend. <laughs> yes. So yeah. We've got your number, Dan. I know you'll be listening. We've got your number. Um, move on to the next question, and it is from FPL Commander. Um, I have triple West Brom, and glad to have them, especially Wallace. But can can I do without Swift and switch him to NDI, who every man and his dog um, have under the sun? Or should I just roll and reassess as he's got Coventry as a tough defensive team next? Um, I mean, there's some logic to that, but if you want NDI, is it not worth, you know, getting him in and then you're in a position to adjust to whichever, you know, if any issue comes up in your team or whatever, like, you know, if you know you're going to want him, why don't you just get him in? I think, I don't know what the rest of his team looks like, but if he's already on Wallace as well, so he's got the two West Brom, I'd do it because I think NDI is brilliant and like he says, Near enough, every single person's got NDI, so I don't think he can go wrong there. And um, James Wood could Boris still get into the playoffs if they sign um, Bolasa and Stewart? Which other non top six teams could have a great second half of the season with the right acquisitions? And where and what should they be? Um, well, so I think on the Middlesbrough part, yeah, They're yeah, definitely four points off the playoffs as it stands. Yes, they're down in 14th now, but they're only four points off the playoffs. They're playing much better since Carrot came in. Um, and they're playing, I think, in a way that is more sustainable for getting results. You know, having more of the ball being on the front foot more. I think that, that does help. <coughs> um, I think, I know they went for Stewart. I know they went for a lot of strikers in the summer. Um, if they could get someone like him in, that would probably help. Although I think the way particularly Akpom is playing, probably reduces the need to go and get a striker. Yeah. Um, but someone like Barlasser in midfield could be a very good signing for them. Um, I think he'd be a very good signing. I, like, I do like him. And yeah, I think, I think it, they'll probably have a move would suit him. For him. Um, yeah. In terms of other teams outside the playoffs, I mean, the, the cop-out answer almost is to say someone like Coventry that are one point outside with a game in hand. Like, well, it's, it's funny that I've, I've wrote them down, so yeah, it's funny you say that, Angus. Um, but I I think they they would very much be in with a shout. I think they could probably do with maybe one more defender and maybe another striker just because, you know, Godden is on another injury. You know, yeah. Waghorn is on another injury, like... Or I think I don't think he's injured at the moment, but he's never far away from another injury. Like you might just want a second option there. If Victor gets injured, then yeah, that's them um, screwed in my eyes. Um, I wrote down I Birmingham down there because I think well we've recently just spoke about they're doing really well. Um, it's tough, you know, because it's that close. Like Millwall, Swansea, Reading, Sutherland, Middlesbrough, Luton, all that. You know, Luton. You know, they bring in a couple of players I mean, they could get gone. right back West up there. Only one point behind Borough. And like, yeah. we, we've seen, you know, if, if they can sort of get it clicking with, again, the talent they've got, um, you know, they could definitely make a run at it. I think it goes right down to 16th West Brom. Yeah. And then Stoke and Bristol City, then the cut off. I don't think 
they've got anything in them, even with signings to get into the playoffs. But I think West Brom, will, West Brom and Middlesbrough could do it now without signings. Yeah, I think Sunderland a couple of signings. I think defensively, I'd like to see him make like a few moves defensively, maybe. Reading, I could see dropping off. Yeah, Swansea, it's a mess. You didn't want to get off them in Millwall, yeah. Yeah, so I'd go with them. Um, I don't think Preston will make it in there either. But we'll go to the next question. Chris Hermitage, who will finish as the Championship top scorer? Um, I'll go for the shit answer. I, I think Victor will do it. Yeah, I mean, I've just realised I haven't even looked at um, what the I didn't until about two hours ago. <laughs> um, and then I was thinking Victor, and then I saw he was <laughs> top. And I was like, oh, it's a bit of a crap answer, but... I generally do believe you guys. He's playing so well that um, it's it's an easy one to pick. Um, I'm going to say, particularly if he gets back in the team soon, I think it could end up being Ollie McBurney. Interesting. I think Ross Stewart will be up there as well. I do. I really do rate him as well. Um, yeah, McBurney is a good shout, especially if he gets back in the team pretty sharpish. Um, next question, FPL frustration. Which teams do you consider to have the best fixtures over the next four to six weeks for us to target? Merry Christmas to you all. Merry Christmas to you, frustration, and thank you for your question. Um, I've wrote a few down, Angus, while you're probably looking at the fixtures now. Um, I just did over the next four weeks, because it was on the first page, and Gaffer didn't have to press next page. Um, and I've got Burnley, which is quite obvious. Birmingham at home, Stoke away, Swansea away, Coventry at home. I like Hull's fixtures, but I don't think I'd be targeting them uh, for Gaffer. But they have got Blackpool at home, Birmingham away, Wigan away, Huddersfield at home. So on paper, they have got excellent fixtures. Middlesbrough have got Wigan at home, Blackburn and Birmingham away, and then Millwall at home. QPR have got Cardiff away, Wooten at home. We've got Sheffield United at home, but then Reading away. And then... Sunderland have just spoke about theirs. And then the last one I had was Watford, which we spoke about earlier on, Millwall, Swansea, Norwich, Blackpool. Yeah, I had um, Borough, Sheffield United, Sunderland and Watford, so very similar. Yeah, brilliant. Let's check FPL. Minus 12 is worth taking at least three game weeks to go. Um, I, I haven't... He's put a screenshot of the scene, but I haven't got a clue what he's on about. Uh, I don't know what you're referring to, so if you message Angus or Dan, definitely not me, because um, <laughs> I probably... Actually, I'm not at work, so I might not ignore it, but I, sat, I accidentally ignore everything when I'm at work. Um, yeah, and then we'll try and clear whatever issues you're having. Billy Adway, is McBurney a sell now? And would you prefer Ched Evans or Ross Stewart instead? Also, what's up with Brady? Would you prioritise bringing in Giles for him instead of the, as before mentioned, change in attack? So we spoke about the Burnley, haven't There we? was a lot going on in that question. I'll break it down for you. So we spoke about is McBurney a sell now, but if he were going to sell him, well, if Billy was, would you bring in Chad Evans or Ross Stewart? Stewart. Yeah, I'd give Stewart all day long. Um, and then he's put what's up with Brady. Um would you bring Giles in for him rather than bringing Ross Stewart in for McBurney? Um, I don't know what's up with Brady. Um, 
full disclosure when we're recording this i'm about halfway through the team news so uh um i don't know what's up with brady um but i'd be looking at something like that anyway particularly because i i mean i sold him to i sold mcburney to take the punt on dk but otherwise i'd be sort of inclined to have a bit take a little bit longer to wait and see on mcburney so i'd be looking at something like Brady to Giles anyway. Yeah, I think that would be definitely a good option. Um, FPL Renari's best captain this week looks tricky. Do you like Akpom as an option? Now, that is a very good question, Renari, because I haven't looked at anything for that this Saturday um, Well, Monday, isn't it? Not Saturday. Um, so, you've got the West Brom guys. They're playing uh, Bristol City. Yes, away. So, uh, they're immediately a, a <coughs> again. Um, Burnley, particularly someone like I think this could be a week for like defensive captains. So like someone like Madison okay. at home against Birmingham, and he's mentioned Akpom, Isaiah Jones. Yes, against Wigan, that is a good shout as well. I think West Brom against Bristol City. Wait, did you see Bristol City's defending for Stokes two goals? That's horrendous. I don't know how they've managed to, to score two goals. That is the only way of doing it. Um, I think I tend to agree with you. I think this is going to be a really difficult one. And hopefully it does vary a lot throughout the game this like this coming week. So we get a lot of different um, outcomes from the week. But I think, yeah, Middlesbrough is a good one at home to Wigan, definitely. I also like the idea of um, Watford, but they are the, the 12 o'clock kickoff against Millwall. I don't like that. Omens <laughs> <laughs> can't be doing that. Um, Editor, after getting DK in for the double, is it worth keeping him or moving him straight out? So you're perfect to ask this to Angus because yeah. you did it. So what's your thoughts? I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, I, I think it's a one, tough one. Didn't make it to sixty minutes and then came off the bench in the next game. Yeah. Um, and I go back and forth on whether it's worth holding him, particularly because they've got some decent games, or whether I should just cut my losses and um, go elsewhere. Um, if they weren't playing Bristol City, I'd probably say oh, yeah. cut your losses. You know, it was it was worth the risk. Yeah, didn't pay off. Yeah, just move on. But the thought of selling him ahead of Bristol yeah. City, I didn't think I could bring myself to again. do that. It could be, it yeah. could be massive. <laughs> yeah. They can't defend against Tyrese Campbell and Liam Delap, so they've got no chance against DK. So, yeah, I'd keep him. Has asked, what are your thoughts on Swift and McBurney to Akpom and Wallace for a minus four? I wouldn't, not for a minus four. In theory, you're going to two better options, but like, if McBurney comes back in the team, particularly the way he was playing before the break, you know, you might well want him straight back again. Um, you know, they go into, what is it? Blackpool, the game after Coventry. Like, if he's back in the team for that Blackpool game, then then you're happy. But I think that one's really tough. I think I'd do it. You do it. Yeah. I wouldn't. So um, that hasn't helped you one bit. We apologise for that. <laughs> um, okay, next question has come in. Oh, I don't recognise this one. Niall Fairbrother. 
Um, who are the best forward options for seven million? Now I need to get it up. I'm just going to say Ross Stewart. Just Ross while. Tuba Akpom. Um... I get forwards up. <laughs> Max Price seven. <laughs> We're doing all the options. Wow, Naki Wells is on 118 points. Yeah, I think a lot of that was early in the season. <laughs> yeah, they obviously scored against us. Yeah. Um, Akpom though at six point one yeah, in his Stewart. form. Um... Sims at 5.6 as well, but I'd go Stewart if I was going Sunderland. Thomas Asante, I think rotation risk now, isn't he? Yeah. He's Uh, going to come in and out of the team. And then good old Tyrus Campbell's there, 6.8 million. Definitely wouldn't go there. (laughs) I think it's straightforward, isn't it, Stewart? And that problem, you know, you're getting two really good forwards. The other one that I'd mention, particularly if you're thinking short term, Bradshaw at Millwall. They've got the Watford game this weekend, but after that, they've got home games against Bristol City and Rotherham. When you put it like that, because when you first said Bradshaw, I was thinking Angus, he's had his <laughs> one hat trick. Like, <laughs> he's retiring now. But no, when you look at that, the fixture on PPR, yeah, I would personally rather, I think Akpon would be yeah. number one. Stewart, because like, does he go straight back in the team now? Do they risk it over this fasting period? It's a bit of a wait and see. Yeah, so I go Akpom Stewart, and then I, I wouldn't say Bradshaw myself, but I can I can see why you suggested this. Um, FPL Ronnie, no questions this week. Well, it was a thread on questions, Ronnie. Um, just wanted to thank all three of you for the brilliant effort you guys put in every week. I'm, I'm glad he's included me in that, Angus, every week. I was about week. to say, every week. <laughs> <laughs> um, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year in advance to everyone listening also. Um, top man, Ronnie, appreciate that. I hope you have a great Christmas and New Year too. And I'm just glad that you included me in the brilliant effort every week because I definitely don't put a lot of effort in every single week. Uh, but I'm here. Yeah. Um, Dan, the FPL fan. Looking to place replace McBurney. I have eight point two to spend. Billy Sharp seems an obvious go to. Any other suggestions? If you're selling McBurney, I wouldn't go to Sharp because no, I don't like sideways moves like that anyway. Particularly when they're basically competing for one spot, you'll go McBurney to Sharp, and then McBurney will come back in the team, and you'll have to do the same thing all over again. Um, I think Victor's the obvious go to if you aren't already on him at eight point one. He's definitely number one. But then again, I'd go back to Anakpom. Keep an eye on um, Stuart's fitness. Yeah, but that's where I'd go. Victor or Akpom, if I have got him um, at 8.2 anyway. Um, next question, Skiel78. Why is everyone selling Swift? Was he that bad in the double game week? Um, People are just reactive, aren't they? I think, it, I think that's the thing about he wasn't bad. But if he's going to be sort of in that deeper role now, rather than the number 10 role he was in before, you know, particularly with the value element of how much he costs, you know, it makes people think twice about it. Yeah. I would, but I'd also keep an eye on this weekend because there's every chance, you know, he goes back to number 10. Yeah. And then you don't don't want Salim before that game. I'm going to sit in any place as a number 10. So I wouldn't sell him yet. But if he does look like he is going to play in the deeper role, then 
I'd probably be looking at moving this just for that value. Um, George FPL, best week to play the final boost. Are there any weeks sticking out? Massive fail last game week, not playing triple triple on Wallace Victor plus another one. This is like I've asked this question through another account because this applies <laughs> to me. I I bailed on playing the booster last week, and now I'm looking for an alternative week to play triple triple. Well, your thoughts, Angus? Um, well, 28 is the obvious place to start because that's yeah. the only double left. Uh, Any news on Luton Millwall moving into them? Not yet. No. Um, and I don't know how much notice we would get on it going into there. Um, but it is possible. Um, that's the one thing I will say. It is possible for that to go into 28. So obviously if that goes into 28 as well, then it obviously becomes a you know massive week to potentially play triple-triple where you could have something like, you know, Victor, Bree, and O'Hare, or whoever. Um, but, yeah, aside from that, it's, you know, it's it's difficult sort of finding a week where, you know, multiple of the, the good teams have good games sort of thing, which is the the only other way you'd want to, you'd want to look at it, um, depending on who you've got um, as well. I think I'll just be going in 28 having two of them on Coventry and then possibly a third on a Coventry player or, you know, somebody else. Um, if I'm looking at 28, Sheffield United have got Hull at home, which is appealing. Burnley and West Brom play each other, which isn't ideal. Yeah, well, like, for example, I, I saw someone played um, Jeepers Keepers this week and Johansson was one of their keepers who obviously had the penalty save. Yes. Um, someone like him who's you know, going to get saves anyway is not necessarily the worst idea. Although I think if you were playing jeepers keepers that week, you'd just play it on the two doubling keepers. But for a triple triple, it shows sometimes you just get a really good single game week option in there as well. Yeah. Well, if you look at it this week before the Wednesday game, if you played triple triple and that was a single game week, you'd been very happy, wouldn't yeah. you? From the Wallace and Victor return. So it, it can work on a single. It's just us as fantasy managers, we see doubles and you think this is, you know, points galore, don't you? No matter who they're playing. Sort of two chances at it, I think, is yeah. the good thing, right? Um... Exactly, yeah. Um, right, last two questions. FPL Quixote. Um, will Chair be back this week? If not, best replacements with good fixtures in the next couple of game weeks. I think we've answered that. We've answered the chair part and we've gone through teams with favourable fixtures, haven't we? Yeah. So um, I hope that was useful to you, Chad. And then last question, FPL Villa Villain. Merry Christmas to you all. Merry Christmas to yourself. What is the best third boost to use and when he's used or he or she has used follow the leader and triple triple? Jeepers Keepers. Jeepers Keepers got the answers, yeah. It seems obvious, but yeah, Jupiter's Keepers is so powerful. You've got to use that boost. Um, and that is all the questions, Angus. How long have we been recording? Um, so I think we're about an hour and seven minutes. So I think we've got time for predictions. Yes. Right then. We're going to see how long we've gone over before we say we'll do predictions. But <laughs> we've got time. Um, right then. Game with 24, Monday the 26th of December. It starts with Watford at home to Millwall. Uh, I'm going to say Watford win, and I'm going to say Kamara. Oh, I hope so, Angus. I'm going to go Watford comfortable win. 
And I'm going to say Saw, just to annoy myself. Own up for like six people that are still on him. Yeah. That will, it'll be really frustrating if he goes off, but it'd be quite funny as well. Yeah. Um, the half 12 kickoff is Sunderland at home to Blackburn. I'm going to say Sunderland and Ross Stewart. I'm also going to say Sunderland. I've really talked myself into a Ross Stewart fan club tonight, so I'm definitely going to back him. Um, yes, definitely. Bristol City, West Brom. West Brom. Daryl DK. Oh, interesting. I'm going to West Brom, comfortable as well. And I'm going to go Wallace. Um, Jacob Brown and Tyrus Campbell can cause damage to them down the right-hand side. Jed Wallace is going to have a field day. So, yeah, that'll be mine. Hull Blackpool. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> if all the games were on the red button, I would not be watching this one. <laughs> um, I'm going to say a draw. And I'm going to say, so I think it's going to be nil-nil, so I'm going to say Ekpateta. I'm going to say Hull, just because they've got home advantage. I didn't want to cop out with a draw, like <laughs> yourself. You would have wanted to say draw. And I'm going to say Asapunyan is going to bounce back and finally get a goal after so long. Um where we're now Middlesbrough, Wigan. Middlesbrough, Jones. Middlesbrough, Akpom. I really need to sign Akpom as well because I really <laughs> feel big on him. Um, Preston, Huddersfield. Preston. Yeah. Um, God. I can't, I'm just trying to think of like a Preston player that I think might do well. Um, I'm going to say Fernandez. Interesting pick. I'm going to give Preston when, um, just a home advantage again. Um, do I go Evans or Johnson? I'm going to go Johnson. Preston and Johnson. Probably a penalty. One nil. I'll go for there. Rotherham Stoke. Uh, Stoke. Oh yes. <laughs> And uh, Lewis Baker. Oh, I hope so, because I've got Baker in my team still somehow. Um, yeah, we need to get revenge on these after they beat us 1-0 oh, at our place. Where you absolutely like that. 29 <laughs> shots, yeah, and didn't score. So, yeah, I'm going for a Stoke win. Um, I'm going to go... can't believe I'm saying this. Liam Delap. <laughs> Just like Dan backed him as a anytime goal scorer at the weekend, didn't seem to be carded. To score and be booked. Yeah, brilliant. So, yeah, I'm going to go Liam Delap. Sheffield United, Coventry. I think Sheffield United, just. And I'm going to say Sander Berger. Oh, nice pick. I'm going to go draw. And I'm going for a. I'll go. I'll go oh, fuck, I don't know. I'll go with Hoare for bonus. I was going to say Victor, but then I'm thinking a draw. No, I'll go Hoare. Um, Cardiff QPR quarter past five. I'm going to say QPR. And 
Laird. I'm going to keep you on. I worry about Cardiff. I really don't rate Cardiff at all. And I'm going to go... I'm going to give a chair to return with an impact. And then the last game on Boxing Day, um, quarter way kickoff on Boxing Day, Luton versus Norwich. Um, I'm going to go with a draw. And I'm going to say Carlton Morris. Nice. I'm going to give Luton win. Um, is Adebayo fit? I think so. Yeah, I'll go out of bear. Seems like Luton haven't played in years. <laughs> they only had like, the one game called off, but it feels like forever. Yeah, I'll go out of bear. And then the last two games, which are on Tuesday, which is annoying, but quite good for us. We can watch them. Reading versus Swansea. Could go either way, that could. Yeah. I'm going to say a draw. Yeah. And ints. I'm going to give Reading and ints. Reading just nick it, but I wouldn't be surprised if you went the other way. And then the last game of the week is Burnley at home to Birmingham. Um, I'm going to say Burnley and I'm going to say Matson. I'm going to go Burnley and I'm going to go Brownell to go to him. I'm, I'm picturing that to be low scoring, you know, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, I think some people will think that. Uh, Burnley will go big against them. I'm not sure they will. No, I think B- Birmingham could hold their own there. Yeah. And then just that little bit of quality will show through with Burnley. Right, that is a wrap then. That is the last podcast before Christmas. Um, so we're recording this on the Friday. So you're probably going to listen to this on Christmas Eve or maybe even Christmas Day if you want to get away from the family. Um, if you are, well, if you have listened to this on Christmas Day, I hope you went in another room away from the kids. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, everybody has a great Christmas and and I hope you all get red arrows on Boxing Day. But other than that, nothing that we've missed, is there, Angus? Uh, No, I don't think so. Yeah, well, Merry Christmas, guys, and we'll see you at some point before New Year. Yeah. Bye. Bye.